so yeah, we're in Judges now. If you remember last week, it's going to be a little bit of kind of a review on what Aaron was talking about last week. He was talking about um, the sin in our lives and, and dealing with that. So um, also, Ethan, he was the guy who spoke last week, correct? Ethan, yeah. So um, we're going to kind of pick up where Ethan left off. Um, so Judges chapter 1, verse 27. I'm just going to kind of read over this real quick. So um, now at this point... Um, the Israelites have um, gotten instructions from God to come in and, and conquer the, um, the land that was given to them by God. So, um, however, Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Bethsheen and its villages, or Tanakh and its villages, or the inhabitants of Dor and its villages, um, or Iblium or Megiddo and its villages, for the Canaanites were determined to dwell in the land. And as we're reading this as well, when it's talking about the Israelites, um, to kind of relay that to, to us, the Israelites is going to be kind of, you know, us in our lives and, and the instructions that God's given us. And um, the Canaanites, it kind of represents um, those opportunities or those times in our life where we're faced with sin and, um, and sin in our lives. So, um, so it says, for the Canaanites were determined to dwell in the land. And it came to pass that when Israel was strong, that they put the Canaanites under tribute, but did not completely drive them out. And so they put them under slavery, basically. Um, They did not completely drive them out. Um, Nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites who dwelt in um, Gezer. Gezer. So the Canaanites dwelt in Gezer among them. So the Canaanites dwelt there as well. And it continues through verse 31 all the way through 36, talking about um, how the Israelites conquered these land um, of the Canaanites who dwelt in all of these areas, but the, the Canaanites continued to live among them, and they, were not, and they were put under tribute, and they were put under slavery, but they were not completely driven out of the land. And that's really important because this kind of, um, it all comes down to um, taking the instructions that God has given us in our lives and not just obeying them, but completely obeying them. And the effects that disobedience, not only disobedience has in our lives, but incomplete obedience. You know, God gives us some instructions and he gives us a, a plan or a path that we're supposed to take. And we decide to add something to it or maybe take something away from it because, you know, we don't quite see the end of, of the plan. So um, I'm just going to kind of go back to, um, to Exodus, in Exodus, um, chapter 23, verse 31. God makes a promise to his people, and he says, For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them, nor with their gods, and they shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me, for if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. That was the instructions that was given by God. He says, I will drive out the inhabitants of the land uh, into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. And then he kind of throws in it, but he says, you shall make no covenant with them, no deals with them, nor with their gods, and they shall not, the Canaanites shall not dwell in your land. Okay, that was kind of, that was the instructions that God has given. But then we see here in Judges, after God has fulfilled his uh, part of the agreement, if you will, um, God had fulfilled, he was fulfilling his part of the covenant, we come to see that the Israelites are doing what God 
had instructed them to do, kind of. They were, you know, conquering the land, um, but they were not completely driving out the Canaanites. They were not completely driving out the sin or the, the root of the sin in their lives, okay? Um, and I think that that is something that really spoke to me because I know there's a lot of times where in my life, I'm sure in all of your guys' life, there's, that, there's something or maybe a lot of things in your guys' life that is restricting you or it's prohibiting you from being able to um, really have that, that growing relationship with God and really be able to just get into you know, a strong relationship with him. And that happens because we tend to hold on to those things in our lives that we shouldn't be holding on to. So as we go down into chapter 2, it says, Then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I led you up from Egypt and brought you to the land of which I swore to your fathers. And I said, and now he's quoting himself from Exodus, he says, I will never break my covenant with you. Verse 2, And you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars. But you have not obeyed me. You have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and their gods will be a snare to you. So Israel, they were supposed to utterly drive out the Canaanites from their land in order to completely obey God. Now, I'm sure that at some point, you know, if I put myself in in their shoes and what was going on in their minds... Um, and you just look through history because, I mean, this is not just some Bible story that we hear all the time. And this is real history. This actually happened, right? So if you kind of put yourself in that time, these Israelites, they come in and they conquer this land and their instructions were to completely and utterly wipe out all of the altars of the Baals and the Asherites and all the other gods that were there and they were supposed to drive out the Canaanites from the land. But I'm sure that the Israelites probably rationalized in their heads some sort of reasoning for why they kept the Canaanites in the land. Um, they, they may have thought that, um, you know, they're going to strengthen us. We can, and it says over and over that they put them under tribute. They put them under slavery, basically. And they said, oh, well, you know, we don't have to, I don't see why we really have to kick them out. I mean, we can use them to, to you know, take care of our crops. We can use them to build our buildings. We, they can strengthen us as a people, um, and I'm sure that, you know, we can strengthen them and, and, and uh, you know, we can pour into, you know, their culture and all of that kind of stuff. So, so you know, they'll strengthen us and, and we'll strengthen them and they'll be our slaves and, and it's going to be awesome. Um, or that, that could have been one of the rationales. The other rationale could have been, well, that seems kind of harsh, God, to completely and utterly destroy them. I mean, that, I, I don't know if that's, I mean, they seem like a, a nice, a lot of them seem nice and, and rational, so I don't know why we can't just have them living among us. And so they decide to let them all, all stay in the land that was promised to them by God. I think that the key thing to remember is that when we come across those points in our lives where God has given us some sort of an instruction and very clear instructions, especially when it comes to having this sin in your life or something in your life, um, that God does not want to be there and asks you to completely drive it out of your life and we hold on to it, whatever the reasoning is, it is wrong if it is opposed to what God has ordered. Whatever God says, I think there's, there's, there's two key things to remember 
um, about God when he's giving you instructions? Because I think there's a lot of times where we tend to maybe doubt God's plan and we say, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I don't really see where this is going or maybe God doesn't, he doesn't seem to have my best interest in mind because I don't really get what's going on right now. So I think the two things to remember is that number one, God loves us. And I know we say that a lot and we think it a lot, but just remember that. Like all of us together and each of us individually, God loves us. God loves you. He loves us. And number two, God is good. And there is no evil in him. God is good. And so if you put those two things together, you say God loves us and God is good, it leads us to know that God is going to lead us in a direction that is going to lead us to good. The Bible says that, um, that he leads us to still waters and into mercy, and he does not, you know, he, he's not going to take us to a spot that's going to um, not be um, in accordance with his will, okay, wherever he's leading us, whether we see the, the end game or not. And I'm not saying that it means that, you know, if we just follow God, then we're going to have like this really, everything's going to be perfect and we won't have any problems in life because we all know that that's also not the case. There's going to be a lot of bumps along the way. Um, And in some cases, I mean, you take the story of Job, he was just told to have faith in God and trust in him, but he went through one, he had one of the just worst lives. I mean, he lost his whole family. He lost all of his riches. He got sick. He got boils all over him. And he could have very easily have been like, you know what, God, this, I, I don't trust you anymore. Um, you obviously don't love me enough to, to um, you know, take care of all these problems in my life. So I'm going to go do something else. But he didn't. He stayed on track with what God had said, which was just to have faith in him and trust in him. And it worked out very well for Job in the end. Okay? Um, so yeah, it's the two things to remember. God loves you, and God is good. Also, I think it's really important to remember that no matter what, if we don't see the end game um, of you know, whatever situation we're in, that God is omnipresent, and he is in, he's beginning and the end, and he is present with us now. Um, And so when we think, oh, God, like, what is going to be, I don't see what's happening. He's saying, trust me, I'm I'm already, I'm actually there right now. Like, you don't understand. I'm actually here right now. It's kind of, like, weird for us. We can't really comprehend that. But God is, 50 years from now with us, we're thinking, well, I I wonder what God's going to do with me then. But to God, he is with us 50 years from now, right now. Does that make sense? Like, he is outside of time. So he knows exactly what's going on, and he knows the instructions he's given us, and he knows that, um, that we're going to follow some of them, and he knows that we're going to disobey in a lot of areas, and he knows every decision that we're going to make. And I kind of view it like, um, you know, I, I know I can trust God because he's so far ahead of us, and he's in, in all times. It's like, if you were at a horse race, does anybody like horse racing? Everybody raise your hand. Yeah, some of you guys, right? <laughs> um, there's, there's a lot of, it, it's very popular for people who want to go and just have a good time and they want to place these bets and usually people lose a lot of money and sometimes people win a lot of money. But if you could, what is it, Blast from the Past? That where he is, or not Blast from the Past, um, Back to the Future. Sorry, Blast from the Past is Brendan Fraser. It's a completely different movie. 
Back to the Future, and um, the, the guy gets, uh, I'm not too familiar with it, but the guy gets a, um, a book that shows him all of the, the past winners from the last 30 years, and when he goes back in time and he gives that to himself from you know, 20 years before that, he has all the winners and he ends up you know, being able to pick every race correctly and he's the world's luckiest man. And in the same way, God is, you know, he is in all times and he knows, he knows what's going to happen in the future. And so if he gives you guys an instruction to do something, to obey him, he knows where that's going and he knows that what he has planned for you in the end is good. And he wouldn't place a bet on you as the horse is, he wouldn't place a bet on you in this, um, in this situation if he knew that it was going to fail, if he knew that you, it was not going to be a winning situation. God knows, he knows what's going to be happening, and he is good, and he loves us, and I think that's super important to remember. So, I think when it comes to our sin... There are, well, there's a lot of ways that we can disobey, but the two points that I want to talk about today are ways that we go about our sin and that we deal with our sin that leads us to disobey. The first way is that we try to control our sin. Now, if you're looking at verse 27 through 36, it's saying that, um, you know, the Canaanites, who kind of represents the sin in our life, um, they were put under tribute. And they, the Israelites said, I know that this is, you know, they worship a lot of other gods and their culture is to worship. And they, I mean, they had gods for every season. They had gods for every season of the year. They had gods for every emotion that the humans can experience. And they had gods for everything. And, and God knows that. And if there is, well, something that God really, really um, is not a fan of is us worshiping Idols. In fact, if you look at the Ten Commandments, number one, anybody? No other gods. And number two, no, it's like kind of the same thing. He says, you, you shall worship no other gods. And then number two, he says, and no idols, which is no other gods. So he's obviously very big on that. And because he knows what the human heart is, you know, capable of doing to us without, without him in our lives. And so we try to control our sin um, just like the Israelites, they tried to control their sin. They put the Canaanites under tribute, and they, they made them their slaves, and they said, you know what? I know we're supposed to kick you out. I know that God said that we're supposed to completely kick you out of the land, but I think that we're going to try and control this area in our lives, and we'll let it, we'll let it be you know, a part of our culture in hopes that we can conquer the sin ourselves and just control it. But I think it's also really important important to note that um, every, every time that we disobey God, there's going to be a consequence for that sin, whether we see it right now, whether it happens pretty immediately, or whether it happens 50 years from now, or whether it happens to the next generation because of something that, you, you know, that we're doing as a, as a generation as a whole. There's always going to be a consequence for the sin. So, I mean, to apply that to our lives, that could be anything from relationships that we have, 
Um, that could be um, our time where we're supposed to be. We all know that we're supposed to be in devotions every day and we're supposed to spend some time praying with God and we're supposed to be in the Word, growing, growing with Him, but we replace that with Facebook or Instagram or whatever other social media site or YouTube or you know, we just fill it with TV or Netflix or whatever the case is. And we know that God is calling us to do that and it has a consequence. It starts drawing us further away from Him and actually, we start drawing ourselves further away from God when we're doing that. Um, and, and, I mean, just in this example, I mean, a consequence of that would, we, you know, there's so many things that we could miss out on just by simply not, you know, the glory of God and the things that he has in store for us. If we're not close to him and we're not, um, you know, in tune with the Holy Spirit, we can miss out on a lot of things that God has in store for us. A little bit of background on myself. Um, I was born in a, a Christian family in Colorado, in a Calvary, but it was out in Colorado. Um, I, I don't remember a time that I gave my life to God. I don't remember, you know, um, going up and, and re- saying the, the sinner's prayer and, and doing all that kind of stuff. I was always just a Christian raised up in the church. Um, hearing all the Bible stories and um, in Sunday school and all through junior high and high school and um, I think it's probably most of I think most of you guys probably raised in the church maybe some not so much but see for me um, that that was a very good opportunity for me to be able to not have to go through you know you guys hear all these stories of these people who have um, they have all of these crazy testimonies and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, and I don't have that. But the one thing that it did for me, because I wasn't, you know, I had always heard the stories, but I wasn't really in the word, is that um, it, I started getting really, really prideful. And that's something that I dealt with for a lot of years. Prideful, and not like prideful, like, you know, I'm in your face and like prideful and I'm better than everybody. But I was prideful in my own heart about myself, thinking that I, had, I knew everything. I had heard all the Bible stories, and you know, I already knew what was, what was happening. I know God wants me to get into the Word, but you know, I, I've heard it all, and, and I, don't, I know He wants me to go to church, but I, I've heard it all. And what ended up happening was right when I graduated high school, kind of moved into college and started being a little bit more independent, that pride started eating away at me, and it started um, uh, taking over my decisions and I was allowing it to get in the way of me going to church, me getting in the word. And I didn't really think that I was like, you know, backsliding and I wasn't doing all these, you know, crazy things that, you know, are like the list of sins that we're not supposed to do. Um, So I thought, but then I started getting back into church like three years later and, um, and especially coming back to this church, and, and I'll be honest with you guys, like, I missed out on a lot of things that, that had happened in the last three years. I mean, even physically in the church, there were a lot of things that had happened. I mean, the sanctuary, for those of you who've been around a while, the sanctuary used to have those, like, blue, like, those blue pews and everything in there. I mean, there's a lot of things that have changed. I wasn't here for any of that. And that's just the physical changes, but all of the, the, the things that God's been moving um, in the church, I missed out on that. And it, I'm kind of bummed. Like, I, you know, and that's time I can't really, I can't go back in time. But what I can do is, is learn from that and realize that um, I, I'm, I'm nowhere near where God needs me or wants me to be in order to be 
um, you know, where I'm supposed to be with him. Probably will, and I, I, not probably, I will never get to like a place where I, I know everything and, and um, you know, I've heard it all. Um, and that's something that I really learned from. So I really encourage you guys, um, you know, even when it comes to just your, your personal walks with God, like don't, don't come to a point where you feel like you are so able to control the sins in your life that you don't really need God. Because see what happened um, is, is the Israelites, they got kind of confident and they, th- they started saying, um, you know, we've come to a place where, you know, we're strong. When they stopped relying on God because they started winning all these battles, right? They started relying on, or they stopped relying on God. And, and because of that, it allowed the sin to kind of sneak up on them and creep up on them in their lives. So, um, so that's the, the first way is control. We try to control that sin in our lives. And then the second thing is um, sometimes we try to ignore the sin in our lives. Um, and, and that's something that, I, like I said, is something I was kind of dealing with. I, kind of igno- I was ignoring those, those things in my life that, um, that God was calling me to do because I was not constantly fighting to, to take those things out of my life. Um, I brought a couple of pictures today to help illustrate this. This is my backyard. Well, I should say this was my backyard at my house when we first bought our house. Sorry, Cassie, I didn't ask for permission to show these pictures of the next picture she might be a little embarrassed of. Um, this, is our, this is our house. A few months, yeah, so this is our house. It's like, it's perfect. It's like, it, well, essentially perfect. You know, there's no weeds. Um, everything looks clean. This is how it looked like on, on the listing, right? It makes you want, kind of want to buy the house because it looks really nice. It's all, you know, desert scape. You got a nice little trail. It looks really nice, right? But then what happened is, and, you know, we did a pretty good job for a while because it was new and we wanted to keep, you know, keep it up. And we did a good job for a while. And then there's a couple times, and this is really on me because I'm usually the one who goes and, like, picks up the dog poop and pulls all the weeds and all that kind of stuff, especially now that she's pregnant. But, um, you know, and it kind of represents, like, um, how our, our life works. And I know the Bible relates sin to like that. It's like weed in your life that's, that's growing and it, and it eats at your life. And this is after all these storms that we had. And it didn't look like this. It really didn't. It was little sprouts that were all over. And I, and I noticed them. I saw them there, but it's like, ah, they're just these little things. Like it's not that big of a deal. I can kind of just ignore it. I don't really have to pay attention to if I need to pull them because we have people coming over or whatever the case is, because that's usually when you start taking care of all your chores, you cram them in when people start coming over. And I was like, oh, there's just little weeds, I'll just pull them. And then the rain happened and the storm happened in our life. And when that storm came through, it, it started, um, because I, I hadn't removed all those things in my life, well, in my backyard and, you know, in our lives, um, the storm comes and it, the, the weeds were able to grow like crazy and I don't know this is literally almost my height I don't know if you guys can see it. it's like it's really tall that's an AC unit okay this is really tall sorry Cassie I didn't mean to embarrass you but this um we've, we've made progress since then but this is what it looked like um and and I thought you know when I was pulling the weeds I was like and I knew I was going to be teaching and I was like man this like this is so this is such a bummer I'm like out here and the weeds are like giant roots and I'm like struggling and they had grown thorns on them and I'm getting like my hands got all prickly and they smelled like like grass and dirt for like the next week and it was just really it was a bummer right and there was so much of it that I was like it was like days after days after days and I was still struggling to do this um you can go to the next one and after I had done it like I you know I made a lot of progress but you can see that it wasn't it just wasn't the same I mean those areas that used to be like really nice and and clean 
the giant roots had just torn up all those parts in our life, you know, parts of my backyard that made it look not so perfect anymore. We're still working on it. Um, but, you know, and it comes to a point where, you know, I start, then I started going, oh, you know what I need? I just need to hire somebody to come in here and do this because it's taking way too long. And I think that's something that we tend to do is we go, hey, God is, you know, he's asked us to, to remove these things from our lives, but we can just ignore it. It's not that big of a deal. It's just this little thing, and it's not hurting anybody. We don't have anybody coming over, so nobody's seeing it. Not that big of a deal. And these things, it starts to grow, especially when we have these storms come in our lives. It starts to grow. The sin starts to grow inside of us. And... Um, you know, I think a lot of times we go, you know, I'm just going to do this. I know that I'm not supposed to, but I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to be in this relationship that I'm not supposed to be in. Um, I'm just going to spend time watching, you know, these videos I'm not supposed to be watching. It's not that big of a deal. But what ends up happening is that starts eating away. It, it really does. It starts eating away. And remember, God knows what's gonna, what that sin does to us. And sin, sin leads to death. It really does. And if we think that it doesn't affect us, it, it really does. It, it, by, by the time that, you know, that's usually when we start going, God, please help me remove these things. Now I need you again. Um, you know, you know rub, rub the lamp and, and genie God comes out. And we're like, God, I need you this time. Like, I tried doing it on my own and obviously it did not work. Can you please come and help me remove these things? Um, so I think it's really important to make, you know, to take some time in your devotions. And remember, devotions don't have to be like, well, I'll just sit down and I'll pray for a minute and then I'll read my Bible for 10 minutes and then I'll pray for another minute and then I'll just close my Bible and leave. Devotion time doesn't have to be so, mm, for lack of better words, ritualistic where we're sitting down and we're just following these patterns. It can be a time where maybe sometimes you read a verse and then you just you know, meditate on that verse or you read a couple of chapters or maybe it's just a time where you sit down and you, you list a bunch of things and you go, you know what, God, these eight things I continually am desiring. I'm continually wanting to do these things. Write them down and you just say, hey, these are things that you've, God, you've instructed me to obey you by not doing these things. So I'm not going to ignore them. I'm going to put them on a piece of paper and I'm going to look at them every day when I do my devotions. And I'm going to work with God to make, you know, I'm going to ask God to help me remove those things from my life. So that's the second way is that we tend to um, ignore a lot of those things in our lives. Moving on into um, kind of skipping, uh, skipping ahead a little bit, um, I wanted to show you kind of the end of chapter two and, and how, all of the, how this story of the Israelites keeping the, the Canaanites in their land, how it affected Israel. Um, so we'll just skip ahead to, uh, well, chapter two, verse, starting in verse 10. It says, when all that generation, being the original generation, had been gathered up to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work that he had done for Israel. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals, and they forsook the Lord their God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, and they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them, and they bowed to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. You see, the Israelites 
originally when they were keeping these Canaanites in their land, they thought, ah, you know, we can use them. I know that God said, but you know, I don't see what the big deal is. I mean, what? it's kind of harsh for God to ask us to do that anyways. I don't see what the big deal is. I think we'll just keep them. We'll just keep them. We'll try and have control over that part of, of our nation. We're just going to allow them to stay here. But the main problem in what God had seen that they had not seen, even after they had died, they probably hadn't seen it or it crept up on them and, and they really didn't, um, you know, they didn't see it coming. Their, their children and the generations after them were born and they started getting older and the Canaanites who were living in their land, worshiping all these other gods, were also born. And the, and the two generations, they, they grew up together. And the Bible says that that they, they started intermarrying and, you know, the Israelites were marrying Canaanites and vice versa and they were having kids and it started getting all meshed together. And what ended up happening was God, who is the one true and living God, who, um, first of all, does not want us to have other idols because what it does is it starts to make God equal with others. Because if we worship God, but then we also worship other idols, then God's saying, what am I if I'm not everything? If you feel like you have to worship these other idols, what am I if I'm not everything for you? Okay? And, um, and so that, that was the, the consequence of their sin. The generation, the generation dies before them, and, and, or the, the first generation dies, and the second generation is raised up with all of these sinful things in their life and all of these gods in their life. And just like God said, who knew that God would be right? He did. Um, he said that their gods will be, a, they, they will be a thorn in your side and their gods will be a snare to you. God knew that that was going to happen. I think it's really um, uh, something, Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says that the heart is wicked and deceitful. The heart is deceitful and wicked and who can know it? And I think that it's important you know, we all know that like our hearts are, are wicked and our hearts, they tend, you know, they, our flesh desires other things. But I think the key word that I really took there was our hearts are deceitful. They really are. And we tend to believe our hearts because, and it's not like, you know, um, it's not, not like it was a trick and we just, we just, you know, fell for it. It's like our hearts are deceitful. And the, the word deceit, it's to say like, um, it tricks you into thinking that you're doing something that is fine, but you're not. You're not, you know, you're not getting what you guys think that you're getting. So our hearts are deceitful and wicked, and so it's, our hearts tend to lead us. We are prone to respond in the flesh and not in the spirit. Just to let you guys know, your hearts in and of themselves, it's prone to respond in the flesh. Without God, that's what's going to happen. We're going to respond in the flesh. And we may not even know that it's harming us, but in the, in the long run, it is going to kill us. It is, the sin leads to death. Joshua 24, verse 20 says, If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do harm to you and consume you after he has done you good. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do harm to you and consume you. And that kind of ties us into, I'm going to skip a couple of verses here. Um, I'll just read the last couple of verses. Verse 20 says, The anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, Because this nation has transgressed my covenant, 
which I commanded them. And I think it's important because the nation transgressed the covenant. God didn't break his promise. God was fulfilling his promise. And the nation of Israel transgressed the, prom- or the promise, the covenant that they had made, which I commanded to their fathers and has not heeded my voice. I also will no longer drive out before any of the nations which Joshua left when he died so that through them I may test Israel, whether they will keep my ways or keep the ways of the Lord to walk in them as their fathers kept them or not. Therefore, the Lord left those nations without driving them out immediately, nor did he deliver them into the hand of Joshua. And that's the end of chapter two. And it, that's really, it's a setup for what's happening um, in chapters three through the rest of Judges. We start seeing this cycle of um, the people, they, they serve other gods, and I know we, we've seen that cycle, that circle on here that, uh, you know, we, that there's sin in our lives and the people are under, um, you know, they go through all of these terrible things and then they rely on God and God sends a judge and raises them out of their, um, you know, of their bad situation and then they sin again and it's just a cycle and it kind of sets us up. Um, so I think it's really important to to note that we cannot expect that God is going to continue to allow us to live in our sinful lifestyle and expect him to continue to pour into us um, because the one thing that um, God is not is he is not a, a God of sin. He is not a God of sin, of evil. And he cannot even be in the presence of evil. And that's, see, that's the one thing is that we talk about free will and how important it is that God gave us free will. But the downside of that for us is that if we choose not to follow God, the creator of life, the only thing that keeps the whole entire universe running, if we choose not to follow after God and we choose to follow after the things of the world, God cannot coexist with sin. That's how it works. And it's not that God's like, you know what? Forget you guys. I'm going to continue to do my own thing with my people and you guys can do your own thing. He's begging us. He's calling out for us saying, you cannot do these things And I'm not just telling you you can't do them to have control over you. I'm telling you you can't do these things because they're bad. See, sin isn't bad because it's a sin. It's a sin because God knows that it's bad for us to do those things. And he's telling us out of love, look, you can't keep these Canaanites in your land. Trust me. You can't keep them in your land. And it's not even like, trust me, I'm not even going to tell you why. He literally said, you can't keep them in your land. Their gods are going to be a snare to you for generations. If you keep them in your land, their gods are going to be a snare to you. That he, God told them that, and they still chose to disobey, and they tried to have control over it. So to wrap up here, um, I just wanted to um, encourage you guys as you guys go about this week and the rest of your lives and, you know, and to continue to draw near to God and continue to, to just um, 
take note of all of the things that he has asked us to do on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, and um, just in our hearts and all of those areas that he has asked us, that he has commanded us not to get involved. He says, don't have these things in your life. Israel, don't have these Canaanites in your land. Um, For you guys, he's saying, don't have those things in your life. It's going to be a snare to you. It's going to destroy you. It's a guarantee. If you let these things grow, and if you let those weeds stay in your life, when the storm comes and you have rain that's allowing those things to grow in your life, if you don't have, if you don't have God continually taking, you know, helping you take care of those things in your life and you're not working on them and you're just ignoring those things in your life, those sins are going to creep up on you. And before you know it, they're going to be as big or in some cases bigger than you are. So I just encourage you guys to make sure that you guys are you know, diving into, into the word on a daily basis and just really seeking after God and, um, and making sure that we're, we know what his, his commands are and what he's asked of us and what he's asked us not to do and, um, and that we just seek after him. Amen? Um, Lord, as we just go about the rest of our week, God, I just um, I thank you for, for your word and... God, I thank you that you are faithful to your word and that, um, God, the things that you have said, you will keep. The promises that you've made to us, you will keep. Lord, I pray that we would not take that for granted, Lord, but we would take it seriously and understand that if, God, if you have asked us or if you've told us you're going to do something good for us, then you will. But if you tell us that living in sin is going to destroy us, that we would take that seriously, Lord that we know that you're not lying. You're not trying to trick us. God, I pray that we would take those things seriously, take your word seriously, take your commandments seriously, Lord. And um, God, that we would just grow closer to you every day and just be more prepared for those, those storms in our life. And um, God, we just love you. We praise you. And uh, we just thank you for everything that you do for us. In your name, amen.